Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and on the line with me is my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. New BNR is out. Esper Legends of the Best Deck. That's the show for this week, Cameron. <laughs> if someone would like to get a hold of you. <laughs> um, should we get into the BNR stuff first, and then we'll, we'll talk yeah. a little bit about yeah. Limited and kind of the outlook? Um, all right. So, hey, today we, we held the show till today for our band cast, which is always one of our favorite things. I, I would love to know how many band casts we've done. Um, Countless. <laughs> more, more than our fair share. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When, when you're creeping up on 500 episodes, you've done a few. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I've, by the way, we have big plans for our 500 episode. We're going to forget that it's the 500 episode until after we record it. Then we're going to submit it. And then that's going to be it, right? Yeah. Um, this could be the 500 episode right now, Cameron. I have no <laughs> I idea. Could, you could, <laughs> barely could be. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, so today was the big B&R announcement. Uh, they, refu- they referred to it as phase two of their fixing standard thing. Um, so, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Invoke Despair, Reckoner Bankbuster, all banned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth because there was a fake BNR that leaked earlier that some people believed was real, and it was like eight cards. So, um, let's start here, Cameron. So, how are you feeling about any of these cards being banned? What do you think? Um, I will say that all three of these cards it's great that they're being banned. If the the thesis of Wizards right now is we need to make Standard different, these three cards will make Standard different. Um, will it make it better? That is the question. <laughs> uh, but no, like, I mean, honestly, Fable the Mirror Breaker, so long. See that I, you know, <laughs> don't let the door hit you on the way out. I'm, I'm glad for that one to be gone. Invoke Despair, Another one that I don't know how many times I've been invoked in the past six months, especially. So I'm glad to see that one gone. And Reckoner Baying Buster, um, I think we talked about this one or two weeks ago. Um, it enables a lot of other cards, like a, a lot of other decks. Being a colorless, you know, card advantage engine like anything when you have colorless and card advantage engine in the same thing it's always going to be a problematic card in my opinion uh so these three good i think my bigger question is and i don't know we have to wait um is this enough is this enough to actually create a different standard and um time will tell um so first of all i'm glad that these cards are gone I don't know that I think Reckoner Bankbuster is good enough to be banned, but I'm certainly sick of it. <laughs> sick enough of it. And it does, I mean, it is the best thing to do if you're looking to pay two mana and draw a card, mm. right? Like you, they are right in that, you know, you're not playing any other card drawing variant and almost like Memory Deluge yeah. is almost universally not played, right? So there's really not a reason to play anything else because of its ability to become a threat is so valuable that you always you always play it, right? So like ramp decks, instead of any two-mana ramp spell, you're playing Reckoner Bankbuster, right? Any control shell, you're playing this. 
Like even the mono white control deck, I think leans pretty heavily on Reckoner Bankbuster as a way to dodge, you know, uh, or I should say a re way to recoup card advantage if it's been Wrath, right? So that's probably the one that's the most on the edge for me. Uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, I think, is the most maybe open shut case of banning since Stoneforge Mystic or Oko or <laughs> Oko, Field of the Dead. I think. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, maybe it's even maybe it's more egregious than Oko. Like, I think Oko's a better card, okay? But there were still people trying to play other decks. Sure. Um, and there were other, like, three drops you could play. Like, you would play Lovestruck Beast sometimes alongside Oko. <coughs> Fable of the Mirror Breaker is it, if you're playing red. Like, it's just, that's the end of the discussion. And it enables a lot of other silly things. Like, you can argue that maybe Invoke Despair will not be a problem. Because Fable of the Mirror Breaker doesn't allow you to accelerate it out as quickly, right? Mm -hmm. um, that being said, I think, and we've been we've been anti-invoke despair. I feel like before it was cool. Uh, <laughs> I've been on the receive that that card has led to more just vicious come from behind, massive blowouts like that I've given and received. Right? It's mm -hmm. like it. it it's it's way too much value for five mana like way 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 too much and the fact that you could accelerate it out was pretty unacceptable like i feel like it was like a cruel ultimatum essentially yeah yeah it, it had that sort of feel every single time it was cast yeah two mana and a lot less colors right like <laughs> so i i'm fine with these but i watched some youtube videos i've seen some talk online Basically, like I alluded to at the intro, Esper Legends, completely untouched. Azorius Soldiers, completely untouched. How can you like? How can you address those decks? Is it feasible that control can actually now exist because you don't have to worry about Bankbuster, you don't have to worry about Fail the Mirror Breaker. So almost everything that's a three drop, except for wedding announcement, is going to be. A wrathable thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, what do you think, man? Uh, there's one card on this list on on this list that I wish we would have seen. Um, it should have been four cards, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this to you. Thalia should have gotten the boot. I really think removing Thalia does too like it, it. It takes out certain other key decks where all of a sudden oh, we have a control shell that might be playable. We have, like, maybe some of these other, like, green-based decks that might be a little bit more playable. Um, but with Thalia in it, I just don't see these other, like, maybe Tier 3 decks right now even coming up into, like, the Tier 2 level. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, it, what's weird is it feels like it's going to prey on... Because, like theoretically the ramp deck should still exist like the leyline binding decks right mm -hmm. but now you've just gotten rid of their worst or gotten rid of their best matchup and the black red decks and their worst matchup which is the mono white and esper is not around so like i i think something like uh the green white enchantments deck maybe green white infect something that can just put a little bit more pressure but it also still feels like 
and you've played against these draws too, where Esper Legends has this particular curve out that feels basically unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Screv into Thalia into Rafine, like yeah, yeah. And then sometimes they're doing that, and then they have like they're holding up the four mana counterspell guy, and they've got perfect mana to do it. And like again, I know this is magical Christmas land, but not really. These are all multiples of in the deck. And even if you're a creature deck, it's really hard to keep up with what's going on there. Um, and you can't ramp over the top of it because Rafine generates such a massive advantage all at once. So, you know, we floated this last week, Thalia. Also, Rafine, I think, could have been a pretty ideal candidate. Wedding announcement, I would say I'm maybe more sick of than it is good. Sure. Yeah. That's um, Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, if you answer it, they have a 1-1, right? Like... Whereas if you answered Fable of the Mirror Breaker, a lot of times you were still multiple cards or resources down. Like, sometimes it was, they have a 2-2, they have a treasure, and they've looted, and then you get to blow it up. It's like, yeah. <laughs> sweet. Three for one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I, I, I guess I'm just open to the possibility of other decks being good, and especially other decks that we don't know about. But I, I was just kind of some people going, well, Mono Red's gonna be back. Not really, man, right? How how uh, does Mono Red beat Azorius Soldiers? Am I missing something there? It's it's yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, everything that Mono Red is doing is feels like it's smaller <laughs> than what yeah. soldiers can do. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll open the door to Mono Blue, like the Delver slash you know, whatever, that deck might exist, especially if a control variant does tend to pop up, but I'm just not convinced in. I'm not a believer in the ramp deck right now. I'm not a believer in mono red. I feel like people are going to jump to the middle. And Mm -hmm. there is a possibility, Cameron, and I know this is shocking, that people will still play Grixis. Right? There there are a lot of other cards. (laughs) So I'm just... Graveyard Trespasser, Corpse Appraiser, Liliana the Veil, ever heard of her, Hmm. right? There's just a few three drops that are replacement picks in this this shell that you could kind of just start going there, right? Um, Is there a, I'm trying to think because I, I mean, other than Meat Hook Massacre and then Evoke Despair, like what is that like bang for your buck? removal spell that you can get like a, a good wrath type of of effect in in black now oh man i really feel like there is one there has I feel to like be, there's right? a saga yeah. but yeah yes but i think what's ultimately going to happen is you're going to end up with a more planeswalker or variant version of grixis that because other people aren't playing invoke despair either Things like six mana Chandra, three mana Liliana, whatever, are much better cards to play. Um, you remember uh, Kaito? He'll be back. Like oh, yeah. he won't. He's not rotating anymore. And so if you're playing small ball creature land, right, um, or kind of like this mid range control, I, I think it's really easy to go. Well, that's it for Grixis. I think that's it for Grixis in terms of free wins, like. Now you're going to have to earn it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the card, like, listen to the cards I'm talking about. Shieldred, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, this is, there is still a massive card quality. You just might have to, like, 
make peace with the fact that you don't just get to cast Invoke Despair on turn four and completely blow your opponent out, Yeah. right? And we have to also remember, the mana is still really good in Grixis, right? This is why yeah. another reason why this was such an enabling type of deck is because you had Xander's Lounge, Shiv and Wreath, Shipwreck Marsh. I mean, like, you know, like, really, really strong mana uh, that enables you to do a lot of other things. Yeah, and there's, like, multiple shieldreds in Standard, worth pointing out, right? Like, so you're going to find what you need, but they're still go for the throat. They're still cut down. They're still a braid. Like, really, the thing that the deck needs is a card advantage engine um, that is obviously not going to be as good as Fable of the Mirror Breaker or, like... Invoke Despair was occasionally a card advantage engine, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I shouldn't say occasionally. Occasionally it drew your cards, but more often than not, it was I kill two of your things and I draw one single card, right? Like, that yeah. was my experience with it. Um, and Fable, <laughs> Fable of the Mirror Breaker made the mana, I mean, silly good, right? Mm -hmm. um, we've all had that turn three shoulder cast against us and been really happy about it. Um, so, like, I think it's just going to be toned down. I think we're talking about a tier two deck. But it would not shock me at all if it finds a way to compete with Esper Legends. I just don't know that it'll be quite as strong. Because on its face, Liliana of the Veil is a good card against Esper Legends, right? Yeah. Um, and some of those cards are probably going to flow back and forth. So, like, the the four-mana counterspell guy, you're probably going to see that in Grixis' list as much as... Because I think he's a two-colors, a blue, and a black, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll have to see what's playable. Um, I I hope to jump in tomorrow um, is when the bands go live. Mm -hmm. um, I'll probably be invigorated by for about 20 minutes into the new standard and then move on once I realize that I can just play Esper again, right? And then just mm -hmm. play that over and over again. Do you think Wandering Emperor will still be... Will that come back into vogue? Uh, I am putting all of my hope and faith into Wandering Emperor right now. Uh, because there is no good Teferi right now. There's no good Jace or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I will be trying, like, a blue-white control list. I've seen a couple, like, lists that seem interesting. Sunfall is really, really good. White Swan, Sun's Twilight is really, really good. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I it, It's... There are a lot, a lot of elements there. It's just, can you survive Rafine up until turn five or turn six, right? I mean, especially with Athalia online. So, like, there's a lot of things still going against it, but I have hope. I have hope with my Wandering Emperors. That's very on flavor for you, Cameron, because the Lord of the Rings set is coming out, and it's helpful to have hope, right? <laughs> um, all right, so... Cameron, I want to get out of this segment. I want to come back and talk about these other movies we've been watching and a slight flesh and blood update. We'll be right back. All right, Cameron. So before we get into these movies, I do want to mention this um, web price thing that came up by the, the YouTubers called Deckflare. It's actually a really done video, really well done video. Um, but basically what he's done is he compares the cost of competing in every major TCG through the price of cards, right? And, uh, he ranks them and then he, he, uh, did I say this? He like makes it by the top five decks in each format, right? Mm -hmm. Um, should be said, some of these are single format games 
And there's also some like notable ones missing, whatever. But here, here's the numbers he came up with that I think are worthwhile. So you, so Pokemon is according to him to have five decks, 343 bucks. Magic the Gathering standard, $1,263. Uh, not included is the price to find someone to play standard with you, right? <laughs> and then he has Prices. flesh and blood at, you know, $2,172. And I, this led up, this kind of sparked a conversation in the flesh and blood community about the price of cards and things like that. So first of all, this number is completely ridiculous because there's one card that almost every major competitive deck has, um, and it's about $200, and he counted it five times. <laughs> so, um, okay. but you don't, you just need one. Like, I have one. <laughs> and so, effectively, it's the price of a set of Scalding Tarns, but you see what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. basically, he didn't count duplicates properly for Flesh and Blood, so the number is kind of egregious. But it kind of led to this conversation of, like, the weird thing about flesh and blood cards is there are certain ones that are very expensive or um, just like magic, a giant majority of them are worth nothing. Um, but those certain cards that have value actually tend to hold their value because there's no digital client. The There's no rotation, really. And so these cards, I, I spent about a thousand bucks to get into flesh and blood and I have, I don't know, five decks, something like that, six decks. And not all of them are all the way kitted out, but... I have I could play at a competitive level. And if I were to turn around and sell them, I would probably get 70 to 90% of what I bought them for. And it's kind of amazing to have that happen because I haven't been able to play in person in like four months. But we forget that about magic. Remember when magic had that quality yeah. of retaining value? And anyway, I, I think that's a thing that maybe TCGs as a whole, Magic 2, but also Flesh and Blood, also Pokemon. Like, when people say, like, on its face, oh, cardboard is so expensive, it shouldn't cost you that much to play a card game. But it's like, but if I were a golfer and I spent that on, you know, reserving my, you know, tea time, that money just goes poof. Yeah. Right? Like, if, if I own a boat, that money immediately just dissipates into nothingness. So, like, <laughs> I, I just think that that's a thing that's a strength of our hobby that people tend to talk about as a negative, but these things holding value and yeah, or absurdly increasing in value. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But like, that's another thing that I've really noticed about flesh and blood is like, it kind of becomes this rite of passage when somebody gets their spring tunic or one of these other really high end cards, like, Hey, I got my spring tunic. And it's like, it kind of feels like a rite of passage the exact same way Underground Sea used to, where, you know, whenever yeah, Underground yeah. Sea was like 150, 200 bucks, like this, you know, whenever you joined the legacy ranks, right, Cameron, and you got those Force of Wills or whatever. Um, and it just it just makes me nostalgic for those times. And um, I will also say Flesh and Blood does a really nice job of like when a card is special, like you know it as soon as you open it in the yeah. pack, like it's got that kind of vibe. But don't let this, this cost things scare you first of all Cameron don't let it scare you personally because you never need to buy a flesh and blood card ever I've always got you theoretically one day we will reconnect and I will take you to an event and we'll have a blast right um, Absolutely. but it should also be said that lots of these games have limited and that's a really really cost effective way to enjoy yourself right right so like just buy some starters buy some boosters 
Like, I think looking at TCGs from the perspective of, hey, I need to roll up to the game shop and drop two grand maybe isn't correct. Yeah, yeah. It's more of a slow game for sure. Yeah. It, it's it's an accrual, right? Absolutely. Um, speaking of accrual, you've um, watched another movie, Cameron. You are you are like the last stalwart of like cinema. You it's true. I, I I'm just by so cinema we mean the DC cinematic universe. <laughs> uh, well, okay, maybe you're not Martin Scorsese, but the point is, is like I can count on you to always be checking those new hot releases, right? Mm-hmm. And I can't even be bothered to watch Ant Man now that it's out on Disney Plus. So I don't know what that says about me. Um. So hit me, man. How's Shazam 2? I didn't realize there was a sequel to Shazam 1. Yeah, yeah. Um, same director, same, you know, cast and crew, I think, for the most part. Um, I I did enjoy that first Shazam when it came out. It was kind of a breath of fresh air after the slog that was the Justice League and all of that. Oh, yeah. Um, and talk about a character that I just never cared about at all i I, captain marvel shazam whatever you want to call billy batson he was the guy that's like ah he's kind of like superman uh b level whatever you know i don't really care um but for some reason they they they're able to just create that good balance of charming actor playing captain marvel on top of just you know like a decent story that I can follow. Like all the threads make sense. There are character motivations that I can actually identify with. And I understand what these characters are doing through every scene scene. And, um, yeah, it's fun. I was, I like the entire like Shazam family as well. Like they have all the other, he gives his powers to the other, um, kids in the orphanage essentially. And, um, yeah, and they, that entire family dynamic plays very well where it just makes me desperately want a really good X-Men or Fantastic Four movie. Fingers crossed we'll get those at some point. But, um, yeah, it, it, it just it, it paid off in a well. Like, this is not going to, like, you know, knock your socks off. It's not, like, the most amazing film. But it was an enjoyable two hours that I felt like I didn't waste my time with. So Shazam 2 decent oh wow i see what you did there cameron um we we also i I feel like we kind of lost our energy for succession you and i have like went into a really in-depth conversation before the show hey that's a good television show if you like yeah i i I feel like it did a really good job of like kind of sticking with the theme of you know, these people that kind of are in these roles aren't necessarily who you think they are and they don't deserve to be there. So, like, I, th- I thought it was a really searing commentary on, you know, the uber-wealthy media moguls in the world, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. good stuff. Um, Cameron, I also, yesterday, did my annual rewatch of Bull Durham. And I got to be honest with you, man, like, it's kind of movies they don't make anymore, Right. There is almost nothing that happens in that movie, and it's a straight-up classic. I think it's the best baseball movie ever made. <laughs> um, it's comfort food, man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I did do some Googling, and I found out that Susan Sarandon was, like, 
in her like she was like 43 or 44 when that movie came out which is a little alarming but um <laughs> it's just a great movie it's just a great movie and like i i wish i had that relationship with movies now and i don't right mm-hmm. i feel like i just need to go to the cinema to make myself enjoy these things but everything's kind of become these bloated and i love superhero movies i do I, and I think a lot of times people complain about them for being what they are, right? It's like going to a Fast and Furious movie and complaining that there are cars. Like, you know, you should know what you're getting into. But it's kind of the more character writing stuff seems like it's really matriculated to TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just like I miss that shortened experience because even Succession, which was pretty dense in terms of pace and all that, there's a lot of shows that just feel like they are bloated and just go on forever yeah yeah um and uh i just it's like i feel like we could have done this in two hours you know this is a complaint that i have with my wife all the time where it's like really good tv shows and i'm not knocking the tv shows but sometimes to your point just that one hour 45 minutes here's a character arc here's a relationship when harry met sally the perfect one hour, 45 minutes that today would sadly be made into a 10 episode show. And I would just get sick of it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And like, I think I'm very comfortable throwing both succession and Ted Lasso into the same bucket of shows that I like, but really go to same character beats often because I, I, (laughs) the, the show's length necessitates it essentially. And, um, I kind of get tired of that, right? Um, and I would and I would say when people say, oh, well, you know, serialized storytelling is like that. It's like, well, it doesn't have to be. And I, comic books have many times solved this problem. Many of them still have it, right? But like, you can make things interesting while they're serialized. Um, it's just, you gotta, you gotta spend some time on writing it. I know it's shocking, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I want to mention, Cameron, and I just, I know you haven't dug into it. I know I've talked about it a lot. Like, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is so astonishing. I can't even... So I I went through what's effectively the first dungeon. And it, in terms of scope, uh, creativity, um, design, blows everything that I've played on a, a PlayStation or an Xbox out of the water. Like, it's shocking that they did this and that not only on a technical level, but it's just a masterclass in single player game design that it just feels like around every corner is something new and interesting and well-made where God of War Ragnarok, which I couldn't even finish because it was like, I got like 20 something hours in and I felt like I wasn't even close to the end was very cutscene heavy and felt very stale and very safe. this is not that like they took some hmm. massive risk with it and it's wild. It's wild, dude. It's it, I, I, I really liked breath of the wild. I think it was a very, very, very good game. This might be the best Nintendo made game in since Metroid prime or before like it's okay. It, I'm trying to think of a game that I would comp it to Witcher three, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just something else. And then okay. I don't I sat through some of the Sony press conference and it like made me like, and as you know, I'm not the biggest Nintendo Homer, 
but it made me kind of sad for where Sony's at. Like they had this killer trailer for Marathon. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, I was like all about the art style. I was like, oh, Bungie campaign coming back. And then they're like, I read the press release, PVP only extraction shooter. Fantastic. I'll see you guys yeah. for about five days and then never touch it again. <laughs> and then done. Yeah. Yeah. So sweet trailer though. <laughs> There's some things I was looking forward to, but yeah, overall it was it was whatever. Oh dude, well, I mean if we're just being super real with each other, like I'm all about Dragon's Dogma too. <laughs> I'm such a sucker for that that like right. mess of a game. It's a mess, dude. <laughs> And I love the first Dragon's Dogma. I've never finished it, never gotten close. That game hands hands me my own rear all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's wacky and ridiculous, and I love it, and I'm ready for part two. But anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about all the marathon lore, where could they find you? <laughs> That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at Spike Beat MTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>